Thank you so much for tuning in to our church podcast. You can go to atarapentecost.com for questions about services and how to donate. We pray that you are blessed by this message today. God bless. We can rejoice because we know, amen, that he has everything under control. I'm just going to drop that right there. Praise God. And again, we're so very glad that you are with us here today. Praise God. All right, we're going to uh, read a couple of scriptures. And amen. First Kings chapter number 17. And then we're going to go to 1 Kings chapter number 18. 1 Kings chapter number 17, verse number 1. And Elijah the Tishbite, don't ask me what a Tishbite is, all right? Amen. Who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. Wow, who does he think he is? Amen. And then verse, chapter number 18 and verse number 1. And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go show yourself unto Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. So he told Ahab, he says, Hey, it's not going to rain for a while. And then the Lord said, Now go tell him it is going to rain. Verse number 41. 45, same chapter, chapter number 18. And Elijah said unto Ahab, Get thee up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and to drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, and he cast himself down upon the earth, put his face between his knees, and said to a servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. His servant went up, looked, and said, There is nothing. And he said, Go again. Seven times this guy went. Came back, and there's nothing there. Nothing there. And it came to pass at the seventh time that he said, Behold, there is a little cloud out of the sea, like a man's hand. And he said, Go up, say to Ahab, Prepare thy chariot, and get thee down, that the rain stop thee not. In other words, he says, okay, that's enough. You saw a cloud, good enough. Rain's coming. Go tell Ahab, he better get off that hill in a hurry. If he doesn't, he's going to be caught in a thunderstorm. Verse 45, and it came to pass in the meanwhile that the heaven was black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain, and Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. I'd like to speak to you this morning on the thought, seeding the cloud of revival. Amen. Seeding the cloud of revival. You can ask Brother McCune if he'd be so kind as to lead us in prayer. Amen. Before we speak from the word of the Lord. Brother McCune, if you would.
Amen. Thank you, Brother McCune. You may be seated. Praise God. Just uh, so some of our guests here today, if you've never been here before, let me introduce myself. I'm Grant. And uh, I haven't always been a preacher. Brother Tim and I kind of come from a little bit of the same background, but I just thought it might be, uh, is there a lot of echo coming through there for some reason? Have I got it too high or I'm all right? Okay. But you know, a lot of times it, there is a maybe a mis a wrong perception, I guess, sometimes of, of uh, who we are now. But none of us, of course, have ever, have, we've not always been who we are now. Amen? But those that are here today, and maybe you're here for the first time, or maybe you're here and questioning, you know, the, the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ that we have come to love and and to know, I was at one time in my early years, I was caught up in a, in a very bad way in the, uh, the hippie movement, if you will. And uh, I, you know, went to the concerts and the rock festivals and different things. Probably one of the few people you'll ever meet that's seen the Rolling Stones twice in one day summer of 72 and but during that time period in my life I was on a quest to find reality the message was peace and love but I had an awakening I guess in my senior year when two of my four of my best good friends they were they had invited me to go with them out on the river, and uh, of course, during that time period, you, you didn't just go out on the river and road, you know, and enjoy the, the the water. You went out there and you know did things to make you feel funny. And uh, I couldn't go because of, uh, I had a job. Believe it or not, I was scheduled to work that day. And next morning, I woke up, and uh, two of those friends were dead. They had a boating accident three weeks before graduation. Kelly knows it. And uh, two of them made it to shore, two of them didn't. And I'll never forget it. And uh, then as uh, things progressed during that time period, amen, a couple of other friends, they were, they were drunk, Jimmy Clayton and Roy Sean Horse. They're drunk, they crashed their car, nice Mustang into a tree, both of them got killed. Then there was Rocky Frazier, Tim probably remembers him, OD'd on heroin. Then there was Steve Stratton that he got too high and messed up his brain and sit outside in the middle of the winter and they had to amputate two of his legs and then he went to an asylum and committed suicide. And then there was Lee Kespert good friend of ours that uh, ended up going to jail. He was a three-time loser, and he hung himself, and so on and so forth. And 
you know, before I gave my heart to God, I didn't have anything to give. I couldn't help those people. I couldn't help them. But I hear here today, by the grace of God, I stand here before you and tell you that because that somebody came to me and told me of the way of peace, love, and joy that was found in the gospel. I can testify today that I am not that same person. And now I honestly and truthfully have a way to help people out of their situations. And I am thankful and I am thankful this morning that I can tell you that that two of our good friend, Brother Kelly's brother, and good friends, Brother Tim and I, that there are three of it, two of those of my good friends who were in prison because of armed robbery, because they were heroin users. I want you to know that today there are three preachers standing behind this sacred desk offering people hope. That's the power of the message that we bring today. That's the power of the God that we serve today. You don't have to live a life where it is destructive and you are depressed and you are going through addictions and your mind is always questioning things that are happening in the world. There is a way out. There is a way in and then there is a way out. His name is Jesus. So if you're here today, I'm here to tell you So, this morning I want to talk to you about seeding the cloud of revival. What is revival? Revival is giving people an opportunity, as the Bible says, to be born again. Be born again. To be born not of the natural, but to be born spiritually. To have your life, everything, imagine if you would, if you could have everything that you've ever done wrong completely forgiven and then that slate cleaned as if it never happened, how many of you would be open for that possibility, right? Yeah. Show me the way. That's what Nicodemus said. Show me the way. And the Lord said, you've got to be born again, watering of the Spirit. And that's, that's what we offer. That's what... Jesus offers people today. That's the gospel. He doesn't just forgive you. 
He completely forgets that it ever took place. And he says, now you want to try. That's revival. And then there, there also, there's revival means bringing back to life. In other words, amen, if those, somebody that has been dead spiritually, maybe they were alive once and they were dead. I want you, the Lord knows where you're at. He can restore you back to a place in a right relationship with Him and once again fill you with His glory. And you don't have to walk around condemning yourself. Amen. Seeding the cloud of revival. We read to you about it, about Ahab and his meeting with Elijah. Elijah was a man... He was a great prophet, and we'll talk a little bit about him. But, he, but Elijah said, it's going to rain. He said, number one, it's not going to rain. Number two, it's going to rain. But rain, how important is rain? Ask the farmer. Genesis 2, 5 and 6 tells us, in the beginning, the earth was watered by a mist from the earth, for the Lord had not caused it to rain. Then we read of the wickedness of man, not you and me, of course, but other people. And uh, God caused it to rain and rain and rain and rain. And it rained a long time. Then we read in Genesis 9, 15, that God put a rainbow in the sky as a token of His promise to us that he would never destroy the earth again by flood. How many of you like a rainbow? I like them. Those things are pretty cool. However, storms would still come. Rain would fall. Men would learn that rain in its season would become a blessing in order to grow their food. Anybody? We got any farmers out there? Nope. That means we all depend on the farmer to have a bumper crop, right? In fact, God's promise of rain is directly connected to the promised land. Deuteronomy 11, 8 through 17 reads, If you keep my commandments, the Lord speaking to his people Israel, he says, If you keep my commandments, you will be strong. How many of you want to be strong? How many of you are strong? Right? He said, You will be strong. You will go in, possess the land that flows with milk and honey. God goes on to tell Israel the promised land. He says, it's not like the land of Egypt that you come out of. He says, but the promised land is a land of hills and valleys, and it drinks water of the rain of heaven, a land which the Lord cares for. The eyes of the Lord are always upon it from the beginning of the year even to the end of the year. Just a little piece of property. And if you will hearken diligently to my commandments and love the Lord your God and serve Him with all your heart and soul, that I will give you the rain of your land in due season, the first rain and the latter rain, so that you may gather in your corn, your wine, your oil, he says, and I will send grass in your fields for your cattle that you may eat and be full. That's the promise of the Lord. 
Rain is still kind of important. Amen? We need rain to produce our food. Currently, there are sources that tell us there are several countries experiencing a lack of rain, going through a drought, including seven of our own states. Colorado, New Mexico, Oregon, Utah, California, Texas, Nevada. And I don't know if you guys pay any attention to this. But here locally, according to the Tri-City Herald, that currently, year to date, we have a whopping 1.66 inches of rainfall year to date right here in Tri-City. Get that. 1.66 inches, under 2 inches of rain. Which, this time of year, we're supposed to have 4.4. We're a little bit behind. 4.4 isn't a lot, right? But 1.6 is not, it is not, not a lot. And the last few years, men have experimented with a process they call cloud seeding or rain enhancement science. Cloud seeding is a type of weather modification that aims to change the amount or type of precipitation that falls from clouds by dispersing a substance into the air that serves as cloud condensation or ice nuclei, which alters the microphysical processes within the cloud. I know, I didn't, that's a little beyond my reach there. You see, the Lord has seen this before. Men in their attempting to reach into the heavens in a declaration of their independence from God, called the Tower of Babel. We'll just make our own rain. In fact, they are now using drones to shoot electrical currents into clouds. They're shocking them. They're electrocuting these clouds. If you Google Dubois, Dubois, whatever it's called, right? They are having an absolute monsoon. Because I don't know, once they start it, I'm not sure they know how to stop it. That's true. I'm, Google it. So these drones are, they are shocking. You know, they got the, the cattle prods out there, and they're injecting those clouds. They're electrocuting those poor clouds, and the clouds are going crazy. So in our story, Israel's in a severe drought brought on by the people's failure to keep God's word. What was it like in Israel during the time of Elijah? It had only been 58 years since the death of Solomon. In that 58 years, seven kings had ruled over the ten tribes of Israel. All seven had been wicked, the Bible says. I wonder what America was like 58 years ago. I'll just throw that out there. 1 Kings 16.33 tells us Ahab did more, listen carefully, 
He did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that came before him. He married a beautiful lady by the name of Jezebel. It's a joke. She was a daughter of Ethbaal. Ahab, Bible says Ahab went and served Baal and worshipped him. Remember what I read to you. The Lord said, if you want it to rain, just keep my commandments. Serve me with all your heart and soul. He says, and I'll in due season, Brother Ali, in due season, I will make sure that the barns are filled up and the steak is on the table. And Ahab went and served Baal and worshipped him. Who was Baal? Baal was the Canaanite god that was worshipped as the sun god and as the storm god. He is usually depicted as holding a lightning bolt who defeated enemies and produced crops. They also worshipped Baal as a fertility god who provided children. But my point this morning is, Baal was responsible for rain. Golden calves were being worshipped at Dan and Beersheba. And the writer, one writer says, the true worshippers of God had all but vanished. It would be to this time that God would raise up one of the greatest prophets of all time, his name was Elijah, or excuse me, his name is Elijah, because guess what? Elijah is still alive. You'll have to check it out yourself, okay? All right? Elijah is still alive, okay? Just saying that. We know nothing of his parents or upbringing, only we are told he was of the inhabitants of Gilead, which was a rugged mountain region. For, but what we do know about Elijah is what I want us to pay attention to, because what we do know about Elijah is very important. 1 Kings 19 and 10, he says this, he says, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. In other words, he had a God fire inside that prompted his, uh, his uh, Elisha, forgot the word to call him, but it would cause Elisha to take note and say, Hey, Elijah, I want double what you got. So what we do know about Elijah is that he was very passionate about his God. The other thing that we know about Elijah is found in James 5.17. James writes, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, the same physical, mental, and spiritual limitations and shortcomings. So he had 
We don't know a lot about his upbringing, right? But we know somewhere along the line, he fell in love with God, and God started a fire inside of him. And the thing that prompted him mostly was that he learned somehow how to pray with a fervency that would shake the earth. But James says, hey, he was just like you. I'm not buying into that, right? (laughs) Brother Long, I'm not buying into that. He couldn't have been like me. He was Superman. He was, you know, he was a... Brother Kelly, he, come on, you're telling me, the writer of the Bible, telling you and me that Elijah was just like you and me. He had the same limitations that you and I have, and yet it did not stop him. How many of you buy into that? Uh, There we go, Brother Jeff does, good, hallelujah. Now, I didn't write the book, but that's what it says, Brother Ollie. So, you know, you were talking a little bit about, you know, limitations that we put on ourselves. We, we, we call limitations. God probably calls them excuses, right? Well, we can't because, you know, because I'm human. <laughs> and he prayed in, oh, maybe this is it. James says he prayed intensely for it not to rain, and it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. And then he prayed again, intensely. We read it. And the sky gave rain, and the land produced the crops. And Elijah the Tishbite went to Ahab and he says, remember, they're worshiping Baal. And and Elijah says, hey, Ahab, as the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. Wow. You see, now, Elijah was not praying to cause people to die of starvation. He was praying because he had a burden for his nation to turn back to the one true living God. Baal was not producing the rain. And Baal could not produce the rain. And a mere 58 years prior to this, in Solomon's day, listen what it was like in the nation of Israel. The Levi, this is found in 2 Chronicles chapters 5 through 9. I'm just going to go quickly through a couple of scriptures. 
This was at the dedication of the temple, right? They had built this glorious temple. And because why? Well, because they had And they wanted to serve him and worship him. And so at the dedication of the temple, the Levite singers arrayed in white linen, having cymbals and harps, along with 120 playing trumpets. And it came to pass as the trumpeteers and singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice, you know, worshiping God like we do, you get a little crazy sometimes, when they lifted up their voice praising the Lord and saying, for His mercy endureth forever that the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord, so that the priest could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud. And the glory of the Lord filled the house. You understand those people? They were seeding the cloud of glory. They were trying to bring down to planet earth the the sign and the glory of the one true living God that created the universe. They said, hey, your God is out of order. He may be on vacation or something, but apparently he's not working today. Watch what happens. Hey, how many of you can play an instrument? No, how many of you cannot play an instrument? Yeah, man, I always thought it would be really cool to play the guitar, right? Or the piano. But I think I'd get a little carried away. But you understand is that they were seeding the cloud of revival. They were, they were investing in what they knew was the way to bring down the glory of God in his house. It started with prayer and worship telling the world that there is a God. His name is Jesus, and He is the God of all creation. That's why we worship God. That's why, you know, people get a little funny and they do a little bit of weird things. Well, what? Because we're just seeding that cloud. We are electrocuting that cloud of revival. We're shocking that thing. We're blowing trumpets into that thing. And we know that it's going to rain. Amen. That's why we need to seed the cloud with worship. Oh, man. Yeah, we need to see. We need to see that cloud with worship. We, you need to worship God with everything that is within you. And if you're here today and you've never experienced what it feels like to worship God, whew. amen. Number two, we need to see that cloud with prayer. The king prays. Listen, you've you got to read it for yourself because we don't have time. The king Solomon, he prays in 2 Chronicles chapter number 6. 
Verses 26 and 7, listen carefully. He says, when the head, Lord, he's praying. He says, Lord, when the heaven is shut up and there is no rain, because they have sinned against thee, yet if they pray toward this place and confess your name and turn from their sin when you afflict them, then hear thou from heaven and forgive the sin of your servants and of thy people Israel, when thou hast taught them the good way wherein they should walk, and send rain upon thy land. Chapter number 7 and verse 1, And when Solomon had made an end of praying, the fire came down from heaven, consumed the burnt offerings and sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the house, and the priest could not enter the house of the Lord, because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house, God moved into His new house. There was a cloud. They called it the Shekinah glory, whatever you want to call it. But there was the presence that was symbolized by that cloud that when Solomon sought God, when he began to pray, fire came out of heaven and that cloud of glory filled that house so that the preacher couldn't even preach. I think sometimes we forget that you, you can read it. talks about later on it's a house of sacrifice. We don't like that. Here's what, here's what they thought about it during Solomon's day. Here's what they were seeding that cloud of glory. King Solomon at the dedication of the temple, they offered a sacrifice of 22,000 oxen and 120,000 sheep. Now, I don't know what that equal to dollar bills. Right? You understand what I'm saying? Is it there, there was no... Why, why, would they, why would they do something like that? Because they knew that the God that controlled and, and operated the universe, that he desired his people to be jealous in their worship toward him. And when they worshiped him with everything that they had, then he came in the miraculous. Watch. And when Solomon finished the house of the Lord, the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard your prayer, have chosen this place to myself for a house of sacrifice. That's something we don't. We live in America. How many of you just, uh, we just sacrifice so much. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share with something with you here and, to go along with this. I don't say this to impress you or to depress you, okay? I'm just laying it out there. I used to put in a couple of dollars in the offering, right? Now, I'm not talking about tithe. We believe in tithing, right? But I'm talking about... Then I graduated to a $5 bill, right? Come on now, you're with me, right? You know? 
Yeah, I graduated on a $5 bill. I said, okay, man, I'm done giving dollars, okay? I'm giving God a $5 bill every time I see him. Then I graduated to a 10. Really? I want to share something with you that I started about, I don't know, probably about eight weeks ago. I committed, I said, because I looked around and I saw all that God had blessed my wife and I with. He had blessed us and he has blessed us immeasurably. And I said, God, as long as you allow me, I'm going to drop a $100 bill in that offering every time I see him. It's that simple. Good for you, dude. Like when I say, for me, it seems like, come on. GK, really? Really? You're stuck on, you know, $10 bills and once in a while. You're, are you kidding me? No. No, see. I want him to know that I love him and I am grateful for his blessings and money really doesn't amount to a whole lot when it comes to my soul because he just keeps And there's more to that story. I won't share it with you, but... But God said, if I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, and here's one of our favorites, right? Here it is, right? Chronicles 7.14. He said, if my people which are called by by my name shall humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin, heal their land. And so... Elijah, I need you to go to Ahab. Tell him I'm turning the water off. We know the story. I read it to you. See, Zechariah 10.1 says, Ashy of the Lord in the time of latter rain, so the Lord shall make bright clouds and give them showers of rain to every, I like this, to every one grass in the field. In other words, the writer saying, If you need rain, ask for it. And the Lord, he says, the Lord shall make bright clouds. And he says he will shower every blade of grass. He doesn't leave one off, you understand? Every blade of grass, he says, it's going to get its own personal rain. We know the story. Elijah ends up going to, to a couple of different places along the way and then he comes back and God finally tells him, he says after he's called fire out of heaven and he's challenged the prophets of Baal to, you know, to produce, they can't. He comes back and he finally, God says, he says, okay, you go tell Ahab, tell him that now that it's going to rain. Tell him it's going to rain. And the Bible says that, that Elijah, he Heard. The Bible says that he heard the sound of abundance of rain. He heard it, and it drove him to prayer. Now, God had already told him that it was going to rain. You understand? But 
it still required action on his part. You see, there is, there is a process that God asks his church to go through, and it requires not just believing, but praying toward that desired outcome. And so he said, the Bible says that Elijah heard the sound of abundance of rain. He told the servant, he says, you go out there and you look, you come back and report. Comes back first time, second time, third time, six times. He comes back and he says, there's nothing out there. He says, nothing out there. Elijah doesn't give up. Right? He doesn't give up. He keeps praying. You have a need in your life, you don't give up. You keep seeding that cloud of revival with your prayer. You keep praying. Elijah says, I know what I heard. And finally on the seventh time, the Bible says that servant came back and he says, Elijah, I see, I see a cloud out there in the sea. It's about the size of a man's hand. Elijah says, you better go tell Ahab that he better get off that mountain and he better get to Jezreel or the rain, he's going to get caught in a storm. It says, and it came to pass in the meanwhile that the heaven was black with clouds and wind and there was a great rain and the hand of the Lord was upon Elijah and he ran before Ahab. We're living in a time, folks, where the world is trying everything. They're, they're electrocuting those clouds. There are, if I could say, there, there are, they're, they're trying every means to accomplish what needs to be done, and that is to help people, but they're doing it all mostly in the wrong way. There is, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes. Nobody, he is, he's it. He's it. And as you stand with us here today, Joel 2.21, we love the, we love chapter 2 of Joel, don't we? Joel writing, he says, Do not fear, O land, be glad and rejoice, for the Lord, he's done great things. He has given you the former rain moderately. He will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain, and the latter rain in the first month. Your vats shall be full, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. It isn't coincidental that Peter uses part of Joel's message the day the church was born. He understood that all through that ancestral lineage there of all the prophets and all the Old Testament heroes, that they, in their prayers, in their dedication, in their worshiping the Jehovah God that they knew, that they were simply seeding that cloud of God's redemption plan that it would ultimately bring down 
the glory of God, not just as a symbol cloud, but would bring the God-man into reality of the world. You understand? They were seeding the clouds of redemption for you and for me. They didn't see it. Bible says they looked for it. They wanted to see it, but no, they didn't. I'm, I'm here to remind us that, I don't know if Brother Cliff is still in the crowd or not, Sister Jeannie's here, but I want you to know that those old elders that have passed on before us, they were the seed. They germinated those clouds of revival. You and I are here today because somebody did not give up. There's an outpouring coming. There's an outpouring coming. There's a harvest coming. God is going to do the miraculous. He already is, but He is going to surpass and exceed anything that you and I can imagine. How many of you believe that? How many of you believe that? Yeah. But it's not going to come. It's going to come not by the artificial way, but it's going to come by the sacrificial way. It's not going to be man-made. It's going to come a byproduct of Calvary. It's always going to be about Calvary's message. It's always going to be about the atonement, the blood covering that Jesus Christ gave. It's always going to be about His Word. It's always going to be about His name. And it's always going to come from His church that love Him so much that they're going to walk in on a Sunday morning even when they don't feel like it. And they're going to lift their hearts to God. And they're going to say, God, I just want, I want to, I want to see that cloud this morning for my brother or for my sister. I want to see that cloud of worship. I want to see that cloud of prayer today because I know that you're going to do something great. Not man-made. No. I remember years, several years ago, we have we have a nice place of worship here. Amen? Nice place. The Lord has provided. And I remember when Sister Kathleen and I first came to Richland, invited by Brother and Sister O'Daniel, and uh, we had a, a good friend that wanted to help us out, and he said, hey, I want to, if you don't want to help you out, he says, but I don't want to. I don't want to seed money into, you know, into that old that old building. He says, I want this to be toward the purchase of a new building. And uh, he gave us a check. He sent us a check, and we opened it, and uh, it was uh, $500. And I called him, and no, he called us. He called me. He says, hey, he says, I'm, he says, I, I, I need you to tear up that check. I said, well, you know, I kind of figured $500 is a lot of money, you know. 
But uh, no problem. He says, yeah. He says, my wife made a mistake. He says, it was supposed to be 5000 Sanctuary is here today because of that seed. We never spent it. went in the bag. You understand, is it? That's the way that God operates. You invest. You invest. You're not just praying idle words to God. You're investing in somebody's future. You're not just worshiping just to sing a few good words and go along with the music because you like the melody. No, sir. You are investing in somebody's future. You are reaching into the future for a soul of maybe your grandson. Or maybe you're reaching into the future for somebody that you work with. Amen. Praise God. We're going to give you an opportunity this morning if you're here. And amen. If you need, if there's a need in your life, amen. We're, we, we're going to believe. We're going to believe with you that God will minister to that need here today. And if you just want to join with us here around the altar and lift your heart to the Lord and thank Him for what He's already done in your life, we're going to open the altar here for you today. And then uh, when everything is said and done, all right, we're going to have a marriage ceremony right here. Amen. But, but would you come? How many, do you have something to be thankful for today? Has the Lord done something great in your life? Come on. Has he done something great? Has he healed you at one time? Has he saved somebody in your family? Has he been a provider? Has he given you a soulmate? Has he given you a good job as he given you your help oh he's worthy he's worthy hallelujah hallelujah blessed be the name of the lord blessed be the name of the lord that's it let's lift him up with you. holy spirit
Jones.